It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. Now a man is seen walking towards the officer's SUV, but the deputy's SUV investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired multiple shots while the two were parked. multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans, I rise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. As far as the allegations of the CIA hacking the Senate computers, nothing can be could be volatile, and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. And now, here's CD Media's host of Information Operation. Welcome to Information Operation. You know, we get a lot of uh, viewer comments here at CD Media, and, and when we report on election fraud, one of the uh, common ones is who's going to do something? Why aren't you doing something? And, it's, and you know, people are understandably frustrated and sometimes enraged at uh, the lack of progress against election fraud and election integrity. And we typically tell people that it's it's not what somebody's going to do for you, but what are you doing for yourself? As in getting off Facebook, Twitter, not shopping at Walmart, getting involved in local politics. But today we have somebody who's uh, actually doing something in a big way in the state of Georgia. Uh, Michael Doherty is an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, but he's also uh, a decades-long uh, deep state fighter, and he's got a lawsuit in Georgia that just very well may flip the U.S. Senate red. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. Thank you. And uh, so, you know, a lot of people know you, but a lot of people don't. So could you give us an overview of your background, what happened to you in the last 10-plus years, and why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm originally from Michigan another election issue state uh and i had nothing to do with that governor and uh, would have left by now uh had, had i know she was coming but i left in 83 I, I grew up in detroit my parents are police officers came from a law enforcement family went to michigan moved out became a healthcare entrepreneur uh worked in surgery for years selling devices opened my own medical laboratory in the 90s uh and you know when you open your own business we're doing cancer detection <laughs> i laugh at myself i thought well this will be you know quick and then eight years later, working from six in the morning till 10 at night, which I loved, uh, we finally hit a plateau and we were doing really well. We were uh, just prostate cancer, private, uh, had like 26,000 square feet in Atlanta, clients from wow. all, over the, <clears throat> all over the country. We'd have urologists, FedEx and uh, tissue because we had fantastic pathologists. And so, I, you know, I really knew that market well. So we had a niche, niche market, mm -hmm. private company you know, 40 employees. It was really great. And then one day the phone rang and, you know, the deep state fell on me. I mean, it, most of the stuff with what the government does 
what I see, especially back then, especially when Obama was president, was any criticism of government was immediately frowned upon, upon as if it was a criticism of, of Obama, as if he had been running the government for 200 years. And people were very thin-skinned, and everything was unbelievable. And if you had any, you know, accusations, uh, they thought you had a metal hat on. And here I come from working in medicine for 30 years, quite the contrary, you know, science-based. I went to the University of Michigan. I am not used to people thinking I am wearing a metal hat. <laughs> and so, and I'm saying things like, well, this company called and they took 9,000 of our patient files and all my tech staff thinks it's a big bogus theft. And this guy is trying to get us to pay him money. And then, you know, and, and, and the more I would say this, what I learned was, especially people that didn't know us as it kind of cracked out is that people just look at you like, you know, okay, well, you must've done something wrong. Cause you have to remember in 2008, this is when it happened and a breach, the only word in the lexicon for breach was a breach birth and losing <laughs> 9,000 patients was a big deal. Now you lose 9 million patients and it doesn't even make the news. Right. Uh, but back then it was this big freak out thing. And so we didn't believe him from the moment he called because you don't call that way and you don't call medical facilities and say, hey, I got your stuff, found it out in cyberspace, we fix problems, would you like to pay us? And <laughs> we say, well, how did you get it? And their response is, well, that will require a contract. You An know, offer right you can't refuse. It stunk, it, you know, immediately it stuck. So the beginning of the the end of my life as it as it was began in that moment and then uh, after two years where he went away but he told us he was turning it over to the government the government called and it was the federal trade commission now i've worked in medicine for years we don't know who the federal trade commission is we know health and human services mm -hmm. and what i laugh about is we loved health and human services we got along with the inspectors everyone was science-based everyone that inspected us was former you know, medical technologists or pathologists. I mean, you a, there was no gotcha, you know, like people that are afraid of the IRS. It was none of that. We, we had a great relationship so that when he threatened me with the government, I was like, well, go ahead. And uh, well, that was a problem because the Federal Trade Commission sends us, first we get a phone call, very cryptic. Uh, we'll be sending a letter. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. We'll be sending a letter tomorrow via Federal Express. And we were starting a non-public investigation. And that was my beginning to learn that there's not a single breath that a government lawyer takes that has not with some sort of intent. And when they show up on your doorstep, you're already dead. And so you better understand this game before they show up on your doorstep. And the odds are huge they won't show up on your doorstep. But what they do with the people that they pull out to make examples of you're pulled out to make an example of you so that everybody that they can't get to out in the world will go, oh, I shouldn't do that. That's the real purpose. It's, it's, it's law through fear. It's persecution through process so that the example of you can be told by big law to the business and, and community and the medical community. And that's how you know not what to do because Congress will never pass a cybersecurity law. So the Federal Trade Commission had anointed itself as the purveyor of cybersecurity regulation. And they used it under 
Section 5 of the FTC Act, which came in 1914. And in 1914, that is when, uh, you know, they, they had awarded and created the FTC to protect consumers. And who doesn't like protecting consumers? So this is a, you know, a really friendly lion. And, um, and they just started investigating us and they wouldn't go away. I went on for years. And I was so amazed because, because when I asked, what did we do wrong? They wouldn't tell us. They said, you potentially have bad cybersecurity practices and that's against the law. And we were like, okay, well, what exactly is a bad cybersecurity case? Well, we don't know. We don't have to tell you. We're not sure yet. We have to investigate. We get to decide case by case. So here you're in the situation where it's like in the, in the medical side, if the lab does something wrong by our investigators, we're like, you did that wrong. You have 14 days to fix it. And we all move on with the FTC. It's you did that wrong. Sign this consent decree saying we get to audit you for two decades at your expense. And if you fall off the beam, we get to really throw the book at you because you're signing an agreement that is also signing away all your protections under the law. Hmm. And you're, we're doing this and you're agreeing to it just so we'll go away now. Otherwise, we're going to investigate you in the ground. Now, the problem was what because they have here you have lawyers, as if that's not scary enough, government lawyers, government lawyers that have no medical background whatsoever that think they're saving the world. What could go wrong? Everything went wrong. Right. So they go in and they they just tear us to shreds with this investigation. And then I'm so appalled by the rights they have that this is just what I call persecution through process. They get everyone to buckle and sign because what you're really buying is peace from the investigation going away. And if if you sign a consent decree in the old days, it was, oh, it goes up on their wall for 60 days and it's down. But in the days of the internet, it's there forever. And we're this small company <clears throat> taking on big, big companies, having cancer patients information, and we're kicking butt. So you can, I can, I'm a sales guy. I know the competing labs are going to go, oh, look at this doubt and innuendo. And doubt and innuendo is what kills a business. Could be guilty equals guilty because people don't want to waste their time worrying about things. Right. So the government didn't understand. They were giving me basically two choices of death, but either one was death, mm -hmm. <clears throat> death by admitting it or death by, you know, everyone leaving because by, by having to fight them and having the whole world doubt me. So we died in 2014 by fighting, but I really wanted to fight because it was, um, there was this instantaneous moment where I could not, I could not spend the rest of my days walking around telling people I didn't do it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. because when you tell people you didn't do something, they immediately think you did it. It's like, sure. it's, like the, it's like the guy that gets found guilty and they're pulling him back with this, you know, I didn't do it. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I got emails from people that just, you know, people that it, it's amazing how some people think their opinion is a civil right. So they can tell you that you did something wrong when they haven't bothered to investigate anything. <clears throat> but it did sound bad because this guy got 9000 of our patients. So he might be bad or he might be good. That doesn't matter. But he got it. So you must be bad. 
And I'm like, no, no, no. But everyone's lazy. You know, everyone has this. So this was a, this was a new experience for me. This was a terrible thing. And um, I was fighting the FTC on it. I wrote a book called The Devil Inside the Beltway because I wanted to really put a stake in the ground. I yeah. was so, I mean, there's such a gap in what Americans think their government is versus reality. And so many don't get to experience reality. Lucky for them. <laughs> so mm. I unfortunately got to experience reality. And I was going, you know what, you guys, you are not going to believe this. You are not going to believe how our government really acts. I mean, it's you can burn your civics book because an ant about Washington can cross the Delaware. It's about, you know, it, it's this is really just power. These are these self-righteous, self-appointed power people that have no education in their head. And no one's coming to your rescue. Congress isn't coming to your rescue. Local politicians aren't coming to your rescue. None of it. So um, we kept going on and on. And when I wrote the book and I put the trailer up, you know, they went crazy. I, and, and a lot of the stuff I didn't learn for years. This was 2013. The book came out September of 13. And, and they were really ticked. I got sued uh, by the FTC in August of 13. And five, six days later, Tyversa sued me for defamation. And I had done my own research and found that Tyversa was... Tyversa was the company that the was company attacking you. Yeah. Took, oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah. So that I find that this company is testifying years before about leaks in front of house oversight and and commerce and they've got wesley clark on their advisory board and they're cronied up and there's these stories about them and the washington post has got stories and i'm like this is you know this is when because of medicine i know that like when a medicare patient calls and screams at the government nothing really happens it has to come from like an insider so that if tyversa called and screamed at the government Nothing's going to happen unless there's a, pre, a, a prior relationship. And that's when I knew when, when they called in 10 and said, we're doing a non-public investigation and they drive us in the ground. Uh, and they also preoccupied us for years. I mean, I had to keep it real tight. I was in a really foul mood most of the time. No one knew what was wrong. I was appalled. I disappeared and took a semi-sabbatical to write the book. You know, and, and all your attentions are away from running the business and how Obama and Obamacare had so shifted the entire medical landscape. And instead of dealing with that, I had to deal with this. So they're wounding the company. They don't tell you what you've done wrong. They argue in front of court years later that they don't have to tell you what you've done wrong. So you get to break a law and they don't tell you what you, what exactly you did wrong, <laughs> which they're fine. Amazing. With. And you talk to lawyers in DC and the, and the lawyers are like, oh yeah. And you wonder what planet you're on. And yeah. that's what really motivated me to write the book going, you just, and so I wrote it like a novel. You know, I, 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 I talked to people in UCLA and neuroscience actually about um, the, the neuroscience in the brain and how we have to tell stories to bring people in. You can't yell, scream, rant, vent. You have to, really tell a story to bring him in. So I wrote the book like a novel and document it like a thesis. And, and it got, once I wrote that book, it got like a TV series. I mean, it, we had a whistleblower come out and Daryl Issa got involved and House Oversight had an investigation. And this guy was t saying that basically what they do is they were working with the FBI and the DOJ in Pittsburgh and they're doing child porn investigations and they're, they're, they're breaking into business computers 
and they're taking files to make money selling remediation services by not telling the people, hey, I broke into your computer and took your file. <laughs> they're saying, oh, I, it's out in cyberspace. With FBI software, you said, but, right? Well, well, we didn't know that for years. He didn't say well, that. Tell, tell us about the whistleblower phone call you got. It was April 2nd, 2014. I was in a Thai restaurant in Marietta, Georgia. <clears throat> and um, I get this guy that calls up and he's um, terrified. And he asks who I am. And he's pretending he's an alias. And then it, sometimes he's crying. And his wife gets on his daughter guns, guns and says, I, I, I stole your stuff. I, I ruined your company. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't believe what I've done. I left the company yesterday. Uh, I'm the one that stole your file. I stole the file at the direction of the CEO. This is what we do. You know, we, we, we broken into companies and we take files and we create fake breaches. We create fake breaches. And so it's extortion use- basically by totally, the government. Yeah. Complete extortion using the metadata they get from the work they do with the FBI. And so, you know, you have to know that was 2014, right? So for over six years at that point, I'm like alone in the world. No one believes me. Employees had left. We'd already closed by then because the press, we had um, something was filed to force me to sit for a, uh, an interview with the, with the um, FTC. And I, I was, at this point, I was so disgusted by their un- Appallingly corrupt and unprofessional behavior. I mean, I come from a law enforcement family, and my dad's Mister by the book. And 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 th- these people at the Federal Trade Commission were just unaccountable zealots that knew every dirty trick in the book to pull, and they pull it. And when you say that about them, people think you're the bad one because people want their corruption inside the center of the bell curve. They don't want to hear anything too extreme. So if you say something really, really bad they think you're emotional because when you have a 700,000 person cancer detection center and you're being extorted and the government's investing you because you're the bad guy, they think, don't you dare get emotional. <laughs> you better, you better stay calm and you, you know, you better be nice. So this was always the perverse experience of those six years because I'm in, I know something's wrong, but I can't prove something's wrong. But because it was medical and cancer patients, I, I, I could not not do it. And so I kept going and going. Now, this, this you know, this, this cost a lot of friendships and this cost a lot of business money. It cost a lot of income. But I, did, I still don't care. I'm still like nothing gets me matter every day than knowing that what they did to a medical facility. And nothing appalls me more than so many people in Washington are in the whole power grid completely indifferent by it. I mean, they are so practiced at, at just walling themselves off of, of the carnage they, they create. Hmm. I mean, they just, it's the only way to cope. They are the masters of looking the other way. And wow. so um, this just continued to drive me. So then when the whistleblower came, I had all this information, right? And so then I still was naive and like, oh, well, this will blow it up. Okay, so, and then we have Daryl Issa taking it on. Well, that'll help, right? Oh, we'll have an investigation. That'll help, right? Oh, he got criminal immunity from the Justice Department. That'll help, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because here comes, you know, rhino Republicans and, you know, Boehner and and Elijah Cummings and Jay Rockefeller and Edith Ramirez and all these crony crooks that want to cover this up because they have blood on their hands. 
they're not used to having blood on their hands, but they all know instantaneously what to do when you get blood. Do, do, do you smell the same type of thing happening after the coup in November? The same kind of cover, you know, I'm just I, curious. I think it happens every day. Yeah. I think what we don't, I think what we don't, and that's why I wrote the book. I'm like, this mm -hmm. is, this is daily behavior in the beltway. Mm -hmm. uh, this is why politics is a blood sport. And they have a vested self-interest to keep the public ignorant. And this all started with Woodrow Wilson in, in 1914. Mm. <clears throat> I look back and how this started. And this is why it's no one. This is why, like when Trump won, I was like, well, let me tell you something. I've said this a million times. This took a century to screw up. It's going to take more than one president to fix. Yeah. And um, it is. It's so, you know, you can go Trump, Trump, Trump. I'm like, this is. <laughs> Trump's just screaming the emperor's naked. Okay, he didn't make the emperor naked. <laughs> so the emperor's been naked. And it starts slowly with basically the removal of the separation of powers. I mean, Wilson had this intellectually good idea, right? That, okay, we don't want politicians making up rules about science and technology and machines. But the way he did it was in his own academic, arrogant way, which was, well, we'll just create these agencies and you know, they've got centralized power. They have their own courts, their own judges. Uh, you know, they they, uh, they have their own rules of evidence, their own rules. They don't pay attention to the rules of civil procedure or evidence. Uh, and that's supposed to be fine. And then you climb up and after they, you know, so that all it ever has turned into, again, is persecution through process where you have, I'm going to come at you, I'm going to investigate you. Or you can just sign this little consent decree over here and take door number two and just go away and it's all over with. When you run corporations, if I didn't run a corporation that was like this corporation, I'm not begrudging anyone to sign those consent decrees. It's a business decision and you have to, you know, you can't pick suicide as a way to win. And so, um, but I had death no matter what. So I decided to walk through the fire. But it is not new. It is not recent. Mm. It is not. It is. It is not. It is. I mean, it's. 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 What. It. What's new is us learning about and observing it because it's at such a tipping point. So you you ended up winning the case in court, at least from a criminal standpoint. Yeah, it's, and well, you're, you're free. Never. Yeah. So. And yeah, and yes, I, I won the case in court in 2016 because when something goes wrong in 2008, the government's doing. You know, so that's always like. People don't want to be grabby, but like, what do we win? Okay, so everything gets destroyed. They don't come back and put Humpty Dumpty back together again. All the people that believe that you did something wrong, even though they had no proof, they don't come back and apologize. Yeah. <laughs> the government, I got one great letter from a friend of mine who's now Cato, who said, he, he, and it really is what the start of our friendship was when he sent me this letter. <clears throat> I mean, and how many people sent an impassioned letter like this? What a great guy. His name is Clark Neely. Um, he said, don't ever expect the government to apologize to you. 60 minutes could blow the story. And I know enough about them to know that'll never happen. Uh, but at the time, <laughs> and they'd still ignore it. They, they, there's just no, there's, they, they justify every action, no matter what. It is all rationalization. Uh, so <clears throat> it, it's kind of ironic, actually, that they are, they so believe they so little believe in due process and 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 they so little believe or even care about the separation of powers 
they mm -hmm. really believe about their own reputations and their own, you know, next job brain. So I wrote the book and I wrote the book intentionally to let people know, but I also wrote the book to intentionally provoke them. And, and, and because in sales, in any competition, you know, you never let the other side see you sweat no matter what. You keep a game face on no matter what. And I couldn't believe how unused, I mean, I can't believe how they didn't have a game face. <laughs> you know, because I was, I was like, what matters to these people? Losing? No. Winning? No. Uh, power matters to them. And the illusion of how wonderful they are. Mm -hmm. So I went after their illusion of how wonderful they were by just holding a mirror up to what they do. Wow. And so anyway, we won the case. And then, uh, you know, what's fascinating about this is they have huge powers to make sure that you're still held under under the uh, under the, the water. I mean, they had here's one example. They had a, a Republican hearing three years ago, two years ago. I think it was commerce. And I got a call the night before, and I happened to be in Virginia at the time going, Mike, you come to the hearing, they're going to discuss LabMD tomorrow. Of course, no one calls me. No one on the staff calls me. Uh, and, and they've got the commissioners talking about my case. I can guarantee you not one of these people have read a brief about my case. Yeah. No one, none of the staffers. Have read. So they, they have all this BS going on. And so I show up and I go see the, the chairman of the FTC. Nice guy. I do not go up there harassing him. I hand him the House Oversight Report from 15, which I'm sure he's probably never read. And I gave him a copy of my book. And here comes, you know, some, not security, some, some staffer. But I got to find this woman's name and write about her one day. She was appalling. She was so rude. You know, I'm like, this is, the hearing hadn't even started yet. We were all just hanging around. And, you know, there is just so many internal protection forces yeah. inside inside politics to keep these people removed from the reality of the american public well i think that's i think we're at a tipping point actually right now We've i been. think the groundswell of public anger i think i think the mask is off that's the gift i think that trump brought the silver lining if you will is that the mask is off because the election fraud i think was just a microcosm of what you're talking about right anyway. it's, and i say it's wash rinse repeat so yeah anyway you know, that goes on. So now I, then I rebuild, I try to, you know, rebuild. And it's, you know, the surprises after that uh, were, inc I mean, what I've learned now is just the indifference of the media, um, the indifference of a lot of, of think tanks left or right. Mm -hmm. Not, it's not a side thing. It is not a side thing. It's a uniparty um, power. You, you hit it on the nail. It's power. Well, yep. I always say Democrats will screw you royally and Republicans will ignore you forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, they're not the same. They're very different. Uh, Democrats in the House are much more lockstep. Uh, they're almost much more, you know, Chinese army marching. Uh, they take their orders. And mm -hmm. if they don't follow the orders from leadership, they get their heads lopped off. This from, I mean, they're really the roughest. Democrats are the roughest. Because, right. Uh, you know, it's war and they know it's war this from the people that say how lovely and wonderful they are and and the chits and power are the people out there that that believe in them yeah um anyway so we can get on to the election thing now if you'd like but uh so you're suing everybody and their mother over what happened to you for the last 10 years and now you well, decide to go after it. georgia 
I was going to say, it, we're, we're not, we're just starting because to find lawyers that have the courage to do this is in, to find lawyers that are available, uh -huh. skilled, and not cowards. That's a big three. Right. That's really hard. Uh, because now we, as we witness, if you go after the power grid, the power yeah. grid is diverse and it will come after you. And it's fear. The whole thing is the same. It's put a head on a spike. Why in the 16th century do they put heads on spikes after they kill execute people? And then on the bridge, they did it to create fear and control over the masses. And that's what happens. It's all, why did they come after me and want a consent decree? Why did they go crazy fighting me even though when they were dead wrong and they knew it? Because it's all legend. It's all right. about legend. It's all about power and mass control. And so that's and so that's why why do they go hysterical about January 6th and completely ignore everything else in the United States in the summer of 20. Right. Because it's it's about that crowd that destroys and burns down buildings keeps them in power. And so they can whistle past the graveyard and putting those people who were on who got arrested on for the 6th in solitary confinement and treating them like uh you know terrorists at Gitmo is exactly what you it's a head on a spike theory. Right. And it's and and, and don't forget we're supposed to have equal justice for all. And this is where you, I want to ask these people like wh where do you not understand that's in your self-interest to be offended by not having equal justice for all? Right. I mean, when you start this eye for an eye thing, it, you know, <laughs> you never, ever, ever win because yeah. almost always the people that are being manipulated by eye for an eye are just tools and they don't understand that. And so, so before we get into the election, tell us about the Justice Society. So the Justice Society is is an organization that I that was my really was my idea from like 15 on and is just starting this year. <clears throat> because of all the things that happened that I didn't think was going to happen before. And it's really a place to go if the tree falls down on you. Uh, my experience coming to Washington as a healthcare entrepreneur that had no, you know, I, I worked in, I really worked in a silo my entire career until I was 47 years old. I, I was just in medicine and that was it. I knew no politicians, no media people, no one outside of medicine, no lawyers. That's it. So then I, so I feel like I'm like most naive Americans. You know, and so all I know is my experience of what I'm taught in school about the government. And I mean, I voted, but I didn't go to courts and I didn't go to political rallies and I didn't do that. Too busy. I mean, I'm working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. So, you know, and so the Justice Society is a place to sort of rapidly pull up, take the rose colored glasses off of you. My experience coming to Washington at the time, I was never, ever, ever so naive to, to think I'd come to Washington going, would you help me? And they all say, sure. Uh, what I did was align myself with like-minded people who I thought would, would find my story in their self-interest to involve themselves with because it was what their mission statement was. And so I found actually, you know, several organizations and their work is great. I don't want to name any names because it's pointless, but... I found out what it was like to be, to apply for help to those people. If you're not chosen, you're just invisible. 
Yeah. And these people have very limited bandwidth and it can be from the ACLU far left and far right. I mean, I was all over the place. I was not, I was all over the place. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I was at EFF in San Francisco. I mean, I was all over. So this is not partisan, but with that exception, it was all like, I mean, I'm not a good victim. Okay. Yeah. So not a good yeah. play. So uh, they don't see, they, they couldn't see the, they have no attention span. Everyone's moving like Twitter speed. So they couldn't understand that I wasn't the victim anyway. It was all the cancer patients and the cyber, they, you know, they only had to believe me and they're not going to believe someone's talk. So the point is, when you come to Washington asking for help, you better understand what the game is. And, the, and, the, and there's no place to go to really be educated. If you get not accepted into the fold to be assisted, you're not accepted to be educated either. And the fact of the matter is, just because limited resources, if you want to take this on, it's a self-help game. Even mm -hmm. with us, it'll be a self-help game. So we have two sides. I mean, we're, we're a, a 501c3, and we're all about education, about the administrative state, and to build a library of knowledge. We're also litigating these issues because we want to turn we want to turn that persecution through process back on the ones that do the persecution through process. Um, I actually took a separation of powers class from Scalia in 2013, <clears throat> and he was. I mean, I was so lucky for some fluke coincidence. I was such a madman networking everywhere back then. I was just on a raving mission. So I had actually been at like four events where he was at over like five months. <laughs> so so he actually knew my name. Like I didn't have a name tag on. He said, Mike, and I'll never forget that. I was like, and it's over breakfast. And I, and, and I, I said to him, I asked him about taking something cert to the Supreme Court. And he said, you know, we haven't, the Supreme Court hasn't been a body to correct lower court error in over a hundred years. And I'm like, well, um, I think the American public thinks it is. And yeah. He, yeah, I know. And he goes, and I can't tell you how many cases I look through and go, oh my God, they screwed that up, but we don't take it. That's not what our role is. And he goes, and the American public thinks that courtrooms are lovely places and legislatures make great laws and everything works out fine. And, and courtrooms are terrible places and lives are ruined every day. I never forgot that mm -hmm. because um, it's absolutely true. We are so disengaged and, and everyone in the power grid knows we're disengaged. I mean, if you say, if you really want to get someone in the power grid to laugh at you, tell them you're going to call the media. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, go, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a big story tomorrow. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, if there is a story, uh, it'll be forgotten in 24 hours. <clears throat> so, you know, what do you do when you're just sitting there just shocked as they steamroll you? And this is a type of thing I, I want people to understand that, you know, there's the elephant and there's the mouse. And folks, you are the mouse. So you can't fight like an elephant. You got to fight like a mouse and you have to, and you have to understand that. And it's in my, and the just society is about persecution through process from any big centralized power. And in this country right now, that's not just the government. Right. It's Microsoft and Sun. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft and Twitter. But the, and, the, the elephant is scared of the mouse. Right. But you got to know what your mouse, you can't, you got to yeah. play the right, you have to have the right strategy in the right game and, and, and know. And most people, you know, you, you, <clears throat> when you go into any game and it is a war game, it's a war game, but it's a game. You, your strategy has got to be uh, 
up front because believe me, like, you know, look, government people are government people all day long. Uh, insurance people are insurance people all day long. Whenever you go into their, their turf, they've got way more experience than you do. So what we're trying to do is build a library of other people's experiences. So mm -hmm. you get brought up to speed really fast. So, you know, when we get someone that is, we want to share their story, we're not going to be asking them to become a 15 minute um, tear jerking fundraising video. We want to know the down and dirty underbelly. We want to know the secrets mm -hmm. because we want, to we want you to leave your legacy and move it to let other people know. <clears throat> and and that, that will slowly change the power grid because we want, you know, it's like, I really want Americans to understand that being an American is a job. You know, it's a job. And if yeah. you, it's a duty, job, huh? it's a duty, it's a duty. Uh, but I don't think people know what duty is. Um, and some do, huh? Some and do, some do if, if it falls on you, if you raise, but some people understand that you're going to get nothing out of it if you put nothing into it. And, and, you know, just because you don't understand that, that other people died for your comfy lifestyle doesn't mean you're not responsible. Right. You know, we have to let, we have to let people know. And, and we have pulled, I mean, first of all, if we had civics in high school today, we would not have, we don't have accurate civics. I mean, the civics I was taught was 19th century. There's no, there's no civics books out there. And what, and the American history they're ripping to shreds is still the American history from other, oh, the founding fathers and they own sides. There's no American history about really the government or what happened and, and politics and it doesn't exist. Right. And they don't want to exist. You know, they don't want, they don't want it. And, and so that's why there's so much sense right now. And then, and so what you have right now, more than you don't have physical warfare, what we have right now is psychological warfare. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. have, and again, the left is so good at this because they speak on emotion and it's, it's, it's projection, projection, gaslighting, gaslighting, projection, gaslighting. Um, and so, you know, we have to have real tangible story. So I, I do all this stuff. So, real quick. How do people help the How do people help the justice society? Go ahead. How do people help the justice society? It's all gone. Keep talking. Okay. So, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, what was I saying now? The, um, the, the justice society is starting now. I mean, we, we've got myself and an executive director who's a lawyer and we're, we're hiring a lot of paralegals and some interns. Um, but we want, we want to have experts on outside one, but we really are focusing on the election law, um, the Federal Trade Commission, FBI fraud, in my cases, the um, in the LabMD cases, really not the my cases, but the LabMD cases, because they, they're, they're the poster child for this government corruption. And they're so far down the road. Uh, insurance carrier stuff, the tricks insurance carriers play, the way, uh, you know, COVID denials of coverage left and right, and how that happens. Uh, because it's, that's another perfect example. You know, the insurance carriers have had decades to infiltrate state legislatures and get state mm -hmm. insurance law so off the rails. And in Georgia, it's a nightmare. I mean, if you want to be a bad lawyer, or a bad insurance carrier, Georgia is your place to go to. There's so little accountability for lawyers and insurance carriers in Georgia. And that's because they've just infiltrated the legislature and these ridiculous laws have been passed.
How do you, how do people help the justice society? Right now you write a teeny check or a big check. Uh, and then what's and the then, website? Uh, it's the justice society.com. Got to have that T H E in there, the justice society.com. And there's, there's a, there's a link there and we will be building. I mean, we're, we're building the infrastructure right now. Uh, we will be, we're hiring attorneys and storytellers and, uh, and uh, for both sides and a lot of paralegals. Yeah. Uh, and then because the library is big, but the going at the, the point I want to make about this, about the litigation side is one thing I learned about fighting with cause of action, uh, which is who initially did a pro bono defense for me and then later ropes and gray is that <laughs> I know Americans assume that people fight the government on this stuff and they don't, especially on FOIA. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, 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 I call it the Eric Holder School of Law, which is, oh, yeah, I'm just going to we're not going to follow the law. We're not going to follow the law. And, and you're just going to have to spend a bunch of money to make us follow the law. And, and first of all, that's going to run the clock two years. And and then second of all, since you don't have money, you know, uh, justice is a mountain and when they, they, they grease up the sides and they, they play all these games to make you spend money. And so by the time you get to the top, 90% of people have fallen off and they make sure you don't get to an article three judge. And then if you do get to an article three judge, sometimes you get to one that's got a political anxiety. So yeah. it, it's, it's really important. And that's because, you know, there's no one that's telling these stories or putting a mirror on it, because if you put a story on it and put a mirror on it, they're going to destroy you. And so it's, so we want to really be um, a grassroots supportive thing. And there's a whole lot of power. I mean, look at Bernie Sanders, look at the power the man built just on grassroots. So we want yeah. to inspire and educate, and we're not asking for an arm and a leg. You know, because but we need we need numbers and numbers, and then we'll be getting out product, and 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 um, so and so the big shot to the awareness is this case. Yes. So. So let's move to the case. Uh, tell us what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what's next. So, because I have a reputation of 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 I guess um, not being afraid to put my head on the spike. <laughs> Because even when my head's on the spike, I talk, which is really annoying to some people. Um, you know, I am well aware of both sides of the aisle. And, um, and I'm well aware of the, the problems of both sides. And so here is this election case. And I get called and asked if I would involve myself in this. And the first thing... I'm going to do is I'm going to examine it. And so we got the case. And the interesting thing about this case is it's not about Trump. They're going to try to make it about Trump. They're going to try to make it about Dominion because that's what they do. Uh, because they try to put you in a little box and throw you into the capsule and then shovel you out to Pluto. Uh, but that's what's unique about it. It's, it's not about the, that fast amount of short amount of time he had to file after Trump lost in November. It's about the Georgia Senate race and the Georgia law that was broken by the processes that were not in place. And I have to tell you, watching what happened with that Senate race and the deafening silence from the Republicans in Georgia is what really got me going. 
Yeah. I expect all sorts of shenanigans from Stacey Abrams. <laughs> She's mm-hmm. got outside money. She's say anything, pull the string, go, whatever. I mean, you know. But the deafening silence from, I'm like, what the hell is that about? And then. A lot I, of people are angry about that. Well, and they should be, right? Because that's, yeah. you know. And and I have a lot of friends involved there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, you know and, I, and I have friends that are Democrats, uh, but. It's no secret that I've had a lot of, um, of fighting with the government. So that so Democrats tend to, to like skulk away from me when they can't when they can't disprove my case or discredit me. The next thing I do is just turn the TV off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but but Republicans don't turn the TV off; they just turn the sound down. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you know, I, I I got presented with it and I'm like, OK, my own lawyers have to look at this because I'm not going to get stuck into a swirling toilet. And really, it's, right. different. it's different because, A, it goes on the law. What was the obligation? What was going on in in the in the runoff? Who, why were they wash, rinse, repeating exactly what they did in November, in February, in January? What was going on with all these extra people? What is so suspicious about, you know, the access? So once we examined the law and it convinced me of what we could do, I did know that ele- I did learn. No, I didn't know, but I learned that, you know, election law, understandably, is very tight on timelines because we, you know, the, the political class is a bunch of mauling, angry lions ripping each other to shreds anyway. We don't need it. And so, you know, look what they did. Trump wins. And what does the other side do? Basically throw so much lying crap at him for years. Well, you know, we'll just have the FBI spy and we'll just actually go in and, and, and have, have uh, you know, we'll make up the Russia thing. And, and if we get discovered we're lying, we'll just bury that and keep on and do more lying. Yeah. Like American public is that dumb. So I, I, I was like, this is important to, to, but in election law, I'm sorry, I got off the trend there. The election law, that means you have to file really quick. So I think one of the things about the craziness of all the cases for Trump, but they had not a lot of time. And the judges set a really high bar, whereas we had the luxury of time because we had months and we had two things going on. And we had until five days after the secretary of state certified the results. That gave us time. We had January to plan and waiting for him to ratify he ratified the day after martin luther king holiday that tuesday that mean we have to that sunday and and we 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 really tried to stay within the law so that the judges could put put had their teeth had could sink their teeth into something you know judges don't like to be stuck in the middle of um food fights and they need something substantial to land on and um so we feel pretty good that we haven't fallen into the name calling trap. The so, so basically the case is based not on trying to prove fraud in the actual election itself, but that the election was conducted illegally. Therefore, it's in, it should be invalidated and a new election should be put up. Is that correct? That's correct. It also means discovery will also allow us to look at all those things. Because okay. we, we do have suspicions of fraud. Okay, I mean, right. we have suspicions of lots of things. And I mean, we, we really want, we want to see these consent decrees. We want to see these things right. that were never adjudicated. That's all part of the proper process in the law. 
and the duties that were done. And, and these elected officials just didn't fulfill their duties. So and, the, the case is was filed three months ago. You've had it's been not in the media at all on your part on purpose. And on the other side, they don't want it in the media. And but now that you had a uh, an issue in Fulton County, you got it pushed to another. another yeah. County, right? So what, what happens is, um, you know, we were very nervous about this. We, we had um, when when there was a Fulton County case placed in for Trump. Uh, we were very concerned that an activist judicial activist strategy was just to ignore it and uh, and to let it sit there, and which is against the rules in an election case. So and, and just by law, when you sue in a county, the judges in that county have to recuse. And we sued Fulton County. And I'm in I mean, I vote in Fulton County. I live in Fulton County. I vote in both. I'm, you know, so I'm standing to do all this. So it, it, it has to get moved out. Well, it wasn't getting moved out. And that's fine. We were not anxious to, um, I was not anxious to be a target. And, and I want the, the, the world to basically soften because I, I know what happens. I mean, they have, you know, we've seen, we've seen what they do. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a Betty Crocker cookbook, what, what they do to attack you. I mean, they just, you know, it's, it's anarchy. And so I, I didn't want to, to just invite anarchy. So, um, we waited and and things have changed a lot since that time yes the press americans the pr the public opinion has changed a lot right so mm -hmm. now it's good so then you know big surprise uh, perkins coy makes an appearance in our case we're like okay whoa, whoa, whoa here comes the big guns boy they must take this seriously uh and uh and senator ossoff still trying to dodge judge being served we're chasing we can't get him served anywhere <laughs> that sneaky little guy uh and um but you know if you if you want to get served senator please call us we're ready and, and because it's just a matter of time so please give me a call I'll be happy to bring it over um but um the the next thing was uh well they, they and the judge came in and said well, we have to have some sort of status conference. Well, that that forced our hand because we're like, whoa, 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 this judge doesn't have, this judge can't even do that. Now, she's a very good judge and and she's new. And I, I truly don't think there was any malintent there. Uh, but we just filed a motion saying uh, that's not procedurally correct. And then we got a ruling saying, well, that's not procedurally correct. <laughs> it's going off. And then, uh, and then we also, which is also procedurally correct through, judicial economy is that you can, if you feel your case is in, in a similar case to another case, then you can have the same judge. You can request it just so we requested the same judge that is in the other Fulton County case or Georgia case that's actually getting some examination now. That uh, has the ballot images and trying for the, the ballots in Fulton County. Right. So yeah. we had that same judge. And that's a good, that's just judicial. That's very normal. That's judicial economy. And, that, and we got both of those. So now... Here we are, and you know you've got Maricopa going crazy. The same day that Perkins Coy parachuted four lawyers in my case, they gave seventy. I think it was seventy. I think to Arizona. <laughs> so it's a uh, they, they got a they got a large army, and this is why um, you know we run efficient, but we need to pay for all this investigation and analysis and and. Right. And, and so, so this is what, uh, you know, I, this is, uh, 
which is important for everyone to 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 give their share to this. It's pretty good though. It's I mean, there's a lot of optimistic things happening the last few weeks. I'm way I'm anxiously waiting to see what happens in Michigan with this hearing. Uh, yeah, New, New Hampshire across the board. I mean, things are things are moving for sure. Yeah, so that kind of cracks the ice for some judges that might be reticent to. I mean, look, judges are human beings, and I think early on some were reticent to uh, do anything that was going to create this crazy town burn down thing. So what's the next steps in the case? So the next steps is now we wait for the judge to give us some sort of order. But mm -hmm. uh, within the law, these things have to move quickly. Mm -hmm. Now that we have a judge, we anticipate things to start moving pretty quickly. And the question will be how we argue and what he chooses to allow us to see and how broad it gets to go. But we're, we're, we're not in control. The judge is in control. And, um, but now we're letting people know about it uh, because the Justice Society needs support. And it's really, it's about election integrity. I mean, here's the thing that's so important. And one of the main reasons I did this is, you know, we give our vote away, you give yourself away. With what this, this fourth branch of government, this administrative, so you can call it the deep state, the administrative state, whatever you want to call it. You know, when I first started writing and speaking about this, no one knew, knew what that was. Yeah. You know, people did not know what this was. And today I think they know what it's called, but they still don't know what it is. And it's real important to educate people about what it is and how big it is to, to, act, to, to, get, it, to get it fractured, to get its bull, no accountability for bully power. Uh, right. Start. And, and the one place that was sacrosanct is the American public saving itself. And the American public saves itself with a vote. And so guess where, guess what's been moving? You want to ask Condoleezza Rice why she's a Republican, go, go listen to her talk about what, what they did to her father. Mm -hmm. You know, the elections is where corrupt pop political power, regardless of party, goes and messes with things to keep in power. And that, that totally dilutes your voice and your power. And I don't care what your political persuasion is, that should be appalling to you. And, you know, and, and except for the extreme left who thinks they're right getting government power to just force square pegs in round holes, most people agree that's not okay. And, and this is where you, we've got enough people have to wake up. Well, we're seeing the, the results of what that looks like right now across the board with this O'Biden administration. So, anyway. well, just COVID. I mean, yeah. just, just, you know, I've worked in medicine for what, four, third, 35 years. Crazy. And, you know, the thing that gets me crazy about Fauci isn't what other people get crazy about. Because why would you? I wouldn't, my opinions with how, all the experience I would have would probably be a little different. And what offends me more than about him more than anything else is that he completely undermines the one on one physician patient relationship. Right. And we as a public have allowed this to happen. And this is what happens every time you centralize the government, every time you centralize power and in centralized sure. medical power. I mean, it's so ridiculous because the every I mean, these these people in public that want to have COVID be some sort of cookie cutter, one size fits all disease. And we all should be masked up like crazy. And 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 and, and as if that's going to control a disease, because really. No one likes death, okay? But if masking up and hiding from each other is what would have stopped it, I'm sure they'd have been doing it for centuries. And, and the fact that the data is the same in different states, no matter what, 
it's amazing to watch people look the other way and not do it. But when I see someone that's an MD with that much power use his platform to destroy the individual relation between patients and doctors, that's not a good guy, period. Regardless of what he says about yeah. yeah. So I, I was, I, and, and I, I knew Trump wouldn't know that. You know, you're not going to know that. You know, all these institutionalized physicians that really don't have a real patient relationship uh, are, are like this. You know, and we're so trusting as a public and it, you know, oh, he's a doctor. Oh, you know, we've, we've actually allowed non-physicians to now run the medical infrastructure so that physicians that that had uh, outside the lane ideas on, on treating COVID got vilified. And you know, Ohio passed a law where the pharmacists got to trump what the doctors would order. I'm like. So we're basically letting pharmacists practice medicine over prescribing physician. It's crazy stuff. And uh, it's, it's not good. Well, Michael, I think that's been really informative. We're about in an hour. I think uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again in, uh, in a few weeks and see where you are on all this, if that's cool with you. There's way more to come, and maybe I'll be a little more pithy and brief next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fantastic. It was a good overview of your history. So thank you for your time, and uh, we'll – I think people will be very interested. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot.